Is there something wrong? Warning. Life support failure on all decks. Abandon ship. Maybe it is time to take command. Bridge to Captain. Join Jan Shaw updating current events as only Jan can. Library computer. Data being received. Produced by CosmicReality.com Hello and welcome to this week's Cosmic Creating Show. My name is Jan Shaw. I'm the Success Alchemist. You can find me at the successalchemist.net, thewebalchemist.net, empoweredmanifestation.com, Facebook and YouTube, Jan Shaw the Success Alchemist, on Twitter at Coach Jan Shaw, Telegram, US UK Patriot, and True Social Success Alchemist. Today is the 5th of November 2022 and the title of today's show is Mass Arrests Underway, Red Wave Incoming, Pelosi Storyline and Left Wing Begs for Amnesty. So first of all, happy Guy Fawkes Day in the UK, bonfire night. Nice to have it on Saturday itself. I hope you enjoy your fireworks and so on. And um, I'm going to cover um, in the first part of the show some notes from videos done by Q News Patriot, otherwise known as SG Anon. And you can find him on Rumble. It's a really um, good presentation of Intel, very much undercover Intel, done in a very... Um, very calm and measured way so he's done um something like 23 podcasts or videos um i haven't managed to watch all of them but um he's done a couple in the last few days so i'm going to distill what he shared because it's very um exciting very encouraging and something you won't even see in the alternative news like just the news and epoch times and others that i regularly report on so starting with um the first one that he published il 2nd of november and he refers to scavino comms and we know that um very often Scavino shares a lot of information linking to the Q posts that are relevant based on the time that they were posted and also on the length of them. Uh, basically, there is a major military operation going on and mass arrests have begun. We're moving into the phase of arrests becoming public. Uh, wholesale tunnel destruction operations are, are in progress and now the deep state are above ground, nowhere to hide. The next 30 to 40 days are going to be world altering. It's going to get extremely exciting from here. And then on the 4th of November, in his next video, Hillary Clinton was arrested on... 9-11-2016 and executed at Guantanamo Bay Camp Delta on the 31st of December 2018 at 9.05pm and noted this as prior to the conclusion of the presidential race. Hollywood's A-list largely missing. They're the most heinous, heinous criminals and it was mentioned on the screen. It wasn't something that he said, but hinted at adrenochrome, pedophilia, murders, sacrifices, etc., which I think most of us know about anyway. Uh, in the summer of 2023, Nuremberg tribunals have been scheduled. And he said 2023 is the year of Q complete transparency. He also said beware of infiltrators in the truth movement, but that they were of a low vibration so weren't able to keep up with what was happening. 
He also said, awakening humanity is not an easy task, but the plan is working. People are fleeing the left, and we've seen that in the news a lot. Donald Trump's presidency was the fortification period, and the US has to be the last to move to a gold-backed currency. Military will deal with the corruptitions, <laughs> I love that phrase, the corruptitions, before the changeover to this system, which is based on Jasara Nasara. Every deep state player must be taken down by the military. No escapees, or in 40 years we could be back where we started, especially in third world countries being infiltrated. We must get this right. We are approaching the point where none of them will be able to walk down the street because of the Great Awakening. Pedophilia will not yet be out in the mainstream, but there's not much longer to wait. Closing in on a phenomenal time. This is the best time of this entire process. The fall of the cabal before the end of the year. Mass arrests are underway. And then today he published another video. A rapid shift is coming with an avalanche of information. Within the US, governors and state senior leadership are being contacted individually by the military and are being briefed on a need-to-know basis of why we are here, what happened in 2020 and over the last two years, and samples of evidence that they have, and a vague need-to-know idea of where we were where we are going next and why we need to go there. Meetings are also being used for reassurance. States with war criminals who have not been apprehended yet are being put on notice to either receive a summons in the meeting or expect a summons very soon. It explains why we've seen so much military activity in the last four to six days. We are at a momentous time when the miniature presidents in each state are being told what's happening. A very exciting time. Limited martial law is coming in certain areas, especially in blue states. POTUS will be abroad due to the nature of the entrenchment, and that was from a cue drop that he said expresses it the best. Rabbit holes run deep. We are at a point in time when a cascade of constitutionally intense but necessary measures to preserve freedom, liberty and the existence of the Republic and the peoples of the US is going to begin. And we are going to have a wonderful and joyful ride through it, even though there will be some pain and some pinching. That Red Sea moment is nearly upon us and when it happens it will be apparent to all and will be done in such a way that we will all know how powerfully spiritually and how powerfully connected we are to a source creator that has done everything in its power to create for us the perfect regency in which to live, to thrive, to grow and to learn. Let us look to the future with that in our heads and our hearts. Intensity leads to growth, learning, and to our continued ascension spiritually. So very interesting intel, in my opinion. Uh, very encouraging. You know, when he said rabbit holes run deep, it was and um, how important it is, as I've said many times, to make sure that every one of the deep state um, parasites... <laughs> have to be taken down or taken out because and that is why that is his response to people who were saying why is it taking so long you know why aren't we there yet and you know this is one of the most complex sting operations in history so you know we need to uh, just gird our loins as it were and just watch with great joy and interest this whole thing playing out and and God winning, which of course we've been saying all along. You know, good always triumphs over evil and this will be one of the most monumental examples of that. So now on to the midterms and of course we're here on the 5th, it's the happening on the 8th so we're almost there and we are seeing an absolute red wave approaching. Um, remarks by Biden the other day 
seem to suggest that they're setting things up to cheat again. But hopefully that won't be allowed this time now that they've really exposed themselves. And as one of the comments that SG Anon said, you know, Biden has drawn out the roaches. <laughs> so, you know, you know exactly what these people are all about. And that's why people are abandoning the Democrat Party and choosing to vote Republican. So Carrie Lake is doing extremely well in Arizona. I love that woman. And she made some great remarks about Hillary Clinton in, in response to what Hillary Clinton said on a recent interview that Carrie Lake shouldn't be allowed anywhere near power. And Carrie Lake's response was... Um, I'm just making an announcement that I'm in perfect health, my brakes are working, and I'm not suicidal. And of course, that that got a lot of um, uh, cheering from the awakened ones that know exactly what she's referring to in terms of the Clinton body count. This election is is almost handed on a plate to the Republicans, hopefully the MAGA ones and not the rhinos, because of so many issues that they're able to run on. And all the uh, the Democrats seem to be running on is, is abortion and climate change. It's ridiculous. I mean, Biden actually announced that he was going to end the coal industry. <laughs> Not a very wise thing to do before the election. But then we know this is a movie playing out. We know it's an actor playing a part. So it must be all part of the plan. The other thing that the Democrats are panicking about is um, the fact that Elon Musk is firing people and they're all having complete meltdowns. Uh, because of the threat that free speech will be allowed on the platform. And we've got various advertisers uh, pausing campaigns because they don't like what Elon Musk is doing. Uh, they include Pfizer, of course, and General Mills, Audi, Volkswagen, and people on Twitter are calling for a complete list from Elon Musk so that we can boycott the companies that are against free speech. And they've he's fired a whole team of engineers and they've now launched, well, the, the I think over 3,000 staff have been fired from Twitter and they've now launched a class action lawsuit um, asking for a more compassionate um, way of uh, terminating them, despite the fact that they get, get three months' pay as part of the package. So, um, you know, we've seen, I think I reported on it last week, we've seen this video of uh, what a cushy number these employees have had, you know, with uh, yoga rooms and meditation rooms and all the rest of it. And as someone remarked on Twitter today, well, considering they, that Elon Musk fired 3,000 people plus, we're not really seeing any difference. So what were those people doing? <laughs> uh, a lot of them are the moderators, I think. So uh, we'll, they won't be able to fact check quite so much from now on. And obviously, um, without that... There'll be no manipulation of the truth in terms of the election because we know we, what Twitter did in 2020 was really to suppress information that was not positive for Biden, that was detrimental to Biden, especially with the, the Hunter Biden laptop. So we'll see what happens over the next few days. But um, I can see... If we do manage to secure the House and the Senate in the election so that the Democrats aren't allowed to cheat this time, they're going to be snowflakes melting down like nobody's business. So interesting few days coming up. We're seeing quite a few Republican candidates for governor um, moving ahead in the polls. And in and I'm talking here about the blue states like New York, for example, and 
Just the News has reported on COVID reckoning, lockdown lefties struggling governor's races as reopen righties take big leads. Michigan, Nevada, New York and Wisconsin, all known for strict lockdown policies, unexpectedly in play. Left-leaning sports show host predicts red wave. Don't mess with people's kids. It lands differently. Some of the Democratic governors most associated with harsh and prolonged COVID-19 lockdowns are facing stiff electoral headwinds in the midterms, while Republicans who endured national scorn by quickly reopening their states are cruising towards re-election. Republicans were already in an advantageous position with voters on crime and the economy, particularly inflation, the top two issues in polling this fall. Education issues, which propelled Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, Republic, to Re- Republican, sorry, to victory a year ago, are a leading concern in some races. And while elections tend to focus more on the future than the past, the starkly contrasting performances of lockdown lefties and reopen righties suggest that a reckoning on pandemic policies may be a stealth issue in major government governors races and i think not only the lockdowns i think the mandates the vaccine mandates they're not going to win on that the repercussions of lockdown policies are also felt indirectly in the top issues for voters from supply chain problems and inflation driven by covid relief spending to plummeting test scores and parental outrage over school curricula resulting from remote learning. Red Wave is coming Tuesday. Free spoken sports show host Colin Cowherd tweeted Thursday, don't mess with people's kids, it lands differently and they will hold a grudge. I lean mostly left, but data clearly proved kids 18 and under were safe, and yet many were kept out of school, resulting in plunging test scores, rising suicides and chaos for parents, he continued. A price will be paid and hopefully a lesson learned. Her Excellency the Queen of Michigan, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Democrat, made it illegal to visit friends, sell paint, mow grass and golf while flouting her own unilateral orders, the the Spectator wrote in a recent list of eight Democrats we all hope lose this November. A heavy favourite going into the campaign, Whitmer is up just 3.4 percentage points over Republican challenger Tudor Dixon. In Real Clear Politics, October 18 to November 2nd polling average, with a margin of error greater than the spread in half those polls. Whitmer is facing blowback for downplaying school closures, claiming they lasted just three months in the pandemic's early phase, while ignoring her health department's three-week high school closure that fall and her call to shut down schools for two weeks in April 2021. The Washington Free Beacon noted that Whitmer refused Republican calls to require districts to offer in-person learning in grades K to five in 2020 to 21, allowing Detroit and Grand Rapids to keep schools closed most of the academic year, while Ann Arbor and Flint started the 2022 calendar year remotely. Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak, Democrat, is down 1.8 percentage points against Clark County Sheriff Joe Lombardo in the RCP polling average October 13th through 29th. The Republican is ahead in most polls, although some leads are exceeded by the margin of error. His Royal Highness Sisolak ordered counties to impose strict limits on gatherings as COVID cases were falling in summer 2020 and even threatened to return to 10-person caps and non-essential business closures, Las Vegas Review-Journal columnist Victor Joyks wrote at the time. Casinos and larger construction projects won't be shut down no matter how many positive cases can be traced to them, Joex said. Every king requires tribute, uh, campaign contributions. 
The far-left magazine The Nation blamed lockdowns for tourism-dependent Nevada's still sluggish economy, including a 6% unemployment rate in the epicentre of democratic support in the state on the cusp of 2022 midterms. In ever blue New York, Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul faces an increasingly plausible risk of defeat at the hands of Republican challenger Representative Lee Zeldin, who made hay of her confusion about why it's important to lock up criminals. While she leads by 6.2 percentage points over the strong ally of former President Trump in the RCP polling average, October 12 to 31st, Hotchell has been defiant in defending her COVID mandates. The staff shortages predicted by New York hospitals when Hochul imposed a healthcare worker vaccine mandate in summer 2021 came to pass the following winter, prompting the governor to rescind a booster mandate. Yet I would do it all over again, she told Zeldin in a recent debate. Her statewide mask mandate, which applied to toddlers, was struck down in court in January for usurping the legislature. Courts have been more active against New York City public employee vaccine mandates, ruling against them twice in October alone, while the city dropped its private employee mandate the month before. Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, Democrat, narrowly trails Republican Tim Michaels, a veteran and small businessman, in the RCP average October 14th to November 1st, though each spread is within the margin of error. The state Supreme Court threw out Evers' early pandemic lockdown order and required any subsequent lockdowns to come from the legislature, which considered shielding healthcare workers with natural immunity from hospital firings over their refusal to get COVID vaccines. Meanwhile, two Republican governors who weathered dire warnings and derision to reopen their states early in the pandemic have built commanding leads in their bids for re-election in neighbouring southeastern swing states. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Republican, is up a whopping 11.8 percentage points against former governor and Democratic challenger Charlie Crist in the RCP average October 12th to November 1st, comfortably outside the margin of error in every poll. After a short lockdown early in the pandemic, based on a conversation with President Trump, DeSantis has become the most vocal governor against COVID mandates, going so far as hosting multiple public meetings with dissident medical professionals. He credited school reopening policies for the state's stellar performance in the newly released National Assessment of Educational Progress rankings, and especially the outcome for younger and educationally at-risk students who are harmed the most from distance learning in other states. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, Republican, is up 8.2 percentage points in his rematch against Democrat Stacey Abrams, who continues to deny her well-documented claims that she was the rightful winner of their 2018 contest. He's comfortably outside the margin of error in every poll in the RCP average, October 21st to November 2nd. Kemp recently pledged to spurn the CDC's addition of COVID vaccines to routine immunisation schedules often used by school districts to decide required vaccinations for students. He issued a sweeping executive order more than a year ago, preventing local jurisdictions from imposing COVID, COVID mandates on businesses, portraying it as a boost to the state's economic recovery. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms responded by calling the governor the gift that keeps giving. And I mean, I'm not a fan of Kemp because some of the things that he did after the 2020 election are very, very suspect. So I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll suspend judgment on that one. I think he's another of these rhinos. Now, an interesting perspective I'd like to share with you is the fact that the election day is on the day of a blood moon. And so I decided to look up the spiritual meaning of the blood moon. And this is from spiritualityhealth.com. And 
it's not a recent um, article, I don't think. I'm not seeing a date on it here. But um, I thought it was very interesting what the spiritual meaning is. The, the appearance of a blood moon has had spiritual meaning throughout history. The ancient Incans and Mesopotamians believed the blood moon was an omen portending death and overthrow of the king. Some Native American tribes believe that a blood moon meant that the moon needed care. Islamic cultures view the phenomenon as a time for special prayers. The blood moon took on a spiritual meaning more widely in 2013 as the blood moon prophecy was picked up by media channels and shared widely. Christian preachers interpreted a series of prophecies in the Bible that spoke of the end of days following a specific sequence of lunar and, so and solar eclipses. As the term blood moon became widely known, it prompted intense interest and widespread examination of the phenomenon. Clearly, the blood moons spark curiosity and the imagination of many. Blood moon is a descriptive phrase for a total lunar eclipse that takes place during the full moon. The reddish colour, though ominous, is simply a result of the scattering of sunlight through the Earth's atmosphere, similar to what happens during sunsets that appear red. The spiritual meaning of a blood moon. 2013 was also the year I became aware of the blood moon in a profound and memorable way. In the fall of that year, I lost my father suddenly and tragically. Nearly three weeks after his death, I had gathered with a circle of my Hula sisters to hike through the Haleakala Crater, which is known as the quietest place on earth. The moon was full and the stillness in that sacred place calmed my soul. We finished our 11-mile hike and sat under the light of the full moon in our Ofuro, a Japanese-style hot tub heated by a firebox. As we sat in the steaming waters, I shared where I was in that moment with my complicated grief. It was then that the blood moon began showing itself. We watched in awe as the bright light of the moon that had guided us through the lunar-like surface of our Haleakala hike was dimmed by a reddish glow. I had heard this was going to be a blood moon, but did not fully comprehend what that meant until I sat there surrounded by dear friends. I let myself feel the darker aspects of my experience, the shame, the anger, the guilt and the engulfing grief. An eclipse of the moon, of the brilliance of the moon allows for an exploration of the subconscious or hidden layers of our emotional and spiritual aspects. The spiritual meaning of the blood moon is the opening of the path to exploring what is often referred to as our darker side, emotions such as rage, shame and grief. These emotions are not widely acknowledged in our culture and yet they exist. When we honour the, both the brilliance and the shadows that make up this reality of our human existence, we open ourselves to a deeper and more profound place of relating to life and to the sentient beings that surround us. This idea is seen in the ancient Chinese symbol of duality known as yin and yang. By honouring both the light and the dark, the masculine and the feminine, and the modes of action and of rest, we allow in the truth of the world. Blood moons and their spiritual meaning are a reminder that there is immense power and intelligence that can be found in the shadows, if only we have the courage to explore with discernment and free from judgment. And I think this is interesting because, you know, the way it starts talking about the overthrow of the king, that could very well refer to the overthrow of this illegal administration and of that whole evil Democrat party. But I think also when it was talking about, you know, the shadow side and exploring that, I think, you know, this is like um, at the macro and the micro level. At the macro level, the shadow side of this, of the the whole planet in terms of the control that the deep state players have had over it for so long, this is the shadow side of the world that people are now waking up to and exploring more, whereas before they either weren't aware of it or they were running away from it you know it was too um, negative 
or unbelievable to them to explore. But this also links to what S.G. Anon was saying, you know, that these things are going to be revealed in an avalanche of information and it is going to be a huge shock to many people, even those who are Trump supporters, as he was saying, you know, people that go to the rallies, not all of them are fully awake. They perhaps don't know about Q or they don't follow Q. They don't understand the significance of the plan. They're kind of looking at things at face value. Whereas, you know, when when those of us have been awake for so long, we look very much below the surface and have a thirst for the truth about this whole cabal-controlled planet. So I thought you'd like to hear that um, interpretation on a spiritual level, just to give a deeper meaning to what is playing out now. So I guess I'll end this topic saying, if you haven't already voted and you're eligible to vote, please go out there and do it. You know, ignore people saying, oh, it's not worth voting because um, it's all rigged. But, you know, the whole point is back in 2016, when Trump won, the margin that Trump won by overcame any of the algorithms that they'd set up for them to cheat. That's why it was such a shock to Hillary when she lost. They never thought she would lose. And as I've said before, I believe that the Democrats were allowed to win in the midterms in 2018 because that put Pelosi and the crew in charge, which really exposed them, their corruption to the general public. And also the 2020 election, I believe, was part of the plan for them to put the puppet Biden in place to to expose their whole agenda and the destruction that comes from them following the instructions of the World Economic Forum, among others, and the WHO in terms of the pandemic and so on. So it's been, as I, as I said earlier, this major sting operation. Uh, but I, don't, I think we're coming to a time which is implied by SG Anon that the tables are going to be turned on them and that this is a critical point in that happening. So go out and vote. Unfortunately, I'm not eligible because I'm not a citizen yet. <laughs> but um, we have to make this a red tsunami. Absolutely. And take back power from these criminals. And now on to the Pelosi story. Um, and this is very inconvenient for, in terms of the timing of this before the midterms. I mean, we're all hoping that Nancy Pelosi loses her position as leader of the House. Um, and certainly on a slightly different note, um, many people are calling for McCarthy and McConnell to be removed as as leaders as well and replaced by real MAGA people, not rhinos and weaklings that don't stand up to the Democrats. Well, let's see how that plays out. But this story of Paul Pelosi's attack just gets... <laughs> weirder and weirder and the thing is it's become so obvious that they're trying to do a huge cover-up they won't release the the police body cam video um there's not any sign of videos from their security cameras uh there's been no reports of alarm going off when the window was broken or the pane of glass in the door was broken even though neighbors say that you know there are alarms that should go off when something like that happens so it's all very weird um, and Zero Hedge uh, reported today actually this is the latest and it's been uh, put out on Twitter and commented on quite a lot NBC quietly removes report claiming Paul Pelosi walked away from police, did not immediately declare emergency. The Paul Pelosi attack continues to grow more bizarre by the day. On Friday, sources familiar with the investigation told NBC News that when the police responded to the high priority call, they had no idea 
no idea they had been called to the Pelosi residence. What's more, Pelosi did not immediately declare an emergency or try to leave his home. After a knock and announce, the front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. Now, that's interesting because the original report was that it was it was opened by an unknown person, implying that a third person was there because the story was that Pelosi and DePape were struggling over the hammer. So <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And in fact, Glenn Beck of The Blaze TV did do a good analysis of this in a video basically calling into question the latest in these um, statements that don't fit with the original story at all. Now, I know you could argue, well, you know, as they've investigated, more and more information is coming out. But it's so totally different from what was reported from the police audio that and that it's obviously trying to avoid people coming to the conclusion that this was a gay assignation that went terribly wrong. I mean, the question is, did the hammer hit Paul at all? And there's actually been no explanation around the report that he was also injured on his arm and hand. Now, all we've heard from the reports is that Pape swung the hammer and hit Pelosi on the head. Nothing about he also swung the hammer at his arm and his hand and everything else. So where does that come from? Anyway, I'm going to continue on with this report. The 82-year-old did not immediately declare an emergency or try to leave his home, reports NBC. Instead, Pelosi began walking several feet back into the foyer toward the assailant and away from police. What's more, Pelosi and attacker David DePape were reportedly alone for 30 minutes. Uh, a tweet from vlemex for you NBC report contradicts federal charging statement in Paul Pelosi attack. And Paul Pelosi's actions, NBC reporter Miguel Almaguer reported on the Today Show that accused attacker David DePape and Paul Pelosi were alone in the Pelosi home for 30 minutes. Law enforcement officials tell us the bottom line here is this was a terrifying situation. We still don't know exactly what unfolded between Mr. Pelosi and the suspect for the 30 minutes they were alone inside that house before police arrived. Officials who were investigating this matter would not go into further details about these new details. Now revealing when officers responded to the high priority call, they were seemingly unaware they'd been called to the home of the Speaker of the House. After a knock and announce, the front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. The 82-year-old did not immediately declare an emergency or tried to leave his home, but instead began walking several feet back into the foyer toward the assailant and away from police. It's unclear if the 82-year-old was already injured or what his mental state was, say sources. According to court documents, when the officer asked what was going on, defendant smiled and said everything's good. But instantaneously, a struggle ensued as police clearly saw David DePap strike Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer. After tackling the suspect, officers rushed to Mr. Pelosi, who was lying in a pool of blood. What we do know is he brutally attacked Mr. Pelosi and attempted to kill him. Of note... NBC News has deleted the clip from their Twitter feed and scrubbed it from their website. And a tweet from Benny Johnson. Breaking the at Today show has now deleted this clip and NBC News has scrubbed it from their website because it did not meet their reporting standards. What is going on? Paul Pelosi opened the door for cops, did not flee or de declare emergency, walked back to the attacker in the house, then was attacked. What? And that was a tweet from Benny Johnson. Meanwhile, a neighbour living across from the Pelosi's who was awake when the assault took place didn't hear an alarm or anything unusual. No, not a thing. 
And you know, we were awake at that hour in the morning. My husband was awake. We didn't even hear sirens, neighbour Sally McNulty told the Epoch Times. McNulty, who has lived in the neighbourhood for 20 years, said everything was quiet around the time of the 2am attack on October 28th. Incidentally, this is me now. Um, If you remember, the first report was saying that the police were doing a wellness check on Paul Pelosi. It goes on. This is one of the quietest streets in the city, she said. You can hear a pin drop at night. McNulty said she doesn't recall ever hearing the Pelosi's alarm go off in the past, though she has occasionally heard others in the neighbourhood. She said that Paul Pelosi had no enemies she knew of and was well liked. Other neighbours declined to comment. Marjorie Campbell, a former neighbour of the Pelosi's for 10 years, told the Daily Mail she recalled fleets of black SUVs surrounding the house around the clock when she stayed there. Everyone in the neighbourhood has alarms on their windows, and if glass were smashed, an alarm would sound, she told the publication. Campbell recalled her computers getting scrambled by alleged security measures to protect the congresswoman. Nancy Pelosi was at her Pacific Heights home, the site of the attack, on November 2nd, while several dark SUVs were parked outside. Capitol Police were present too, as were multiple San Francisco Police Department cars. Paul Pelosi had surgery to address a skull fracture and other injuries at the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital and Trauma Center after 42-year-old David DePape allegedly fractured his skull with a hammer on October 28th. DePape pleaded not guilty to an attempted murder charge during a brief appearance in San Francisco Superior Court on November the 1st, Epoch Times reports. As PJ Media reports, Pelosi's failure to call out for help or flee his home was a detail in the court filing that previously raised a red flag to me, and it seems that even NBC News finds it odd. Why Pelosi didn't try to flee or tell responding officers he he was in distress is unclear, NBC News' Miguel Almaguer noted. Nevertheless, the report suggested it was unknown whether Pelosi was already injured or what mental state he was in. And I noticed they've stopped mentioning that uh, DePape was in his underwear. Um, it's now changed to being shorts. But then I, I did see something that said, oh, it was on the Glenn Black Beck analysis video that he was described, this is DePape, was dressed all in black with a black backpack. So what happened to the clothes? And was the backpack real because maybe that was what he carried the duct tape and the zip ties and everything in because where else would he put it in his underwear you know some of it you just have to laugh at I mean poor old Pelosi he may have well got cracked on the head but this story is just as it said bizarre Of course, the mainstream media, the fake news media, have all been trying to paint this guy as a MAGA guy. But his affiliations include BLM. So it seems highly unlikely that a MAGA person would support BLM. The other thing that's been out on the internet on uh, Twitter again is somebody shared a picture of um, DePape from the mugshot, I think, but also a photograph from January 6th of a guy who looks very much like DePape. So perhaps perhaps he's a crisis actor, who knows? Or, you know, somebody who was paid to act like a MAGA supporter, but was one of those inciting this so-called insurrection. The plot just continues to thicken. And now on to the left-wingers begging for amnesty. And this is a, a report from Blaze Media. The Atlantic gets ridiculed and ratioed for demanding amnesty for COVID tyrants, claiming dehumanisation wasn't a moral failing. This was published November 2nd. The Atlantic started the week off with an audacious demand in an article entitled Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. 
Emily Oster, an economist at Brown University, wrote, We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. Oster's proposal was met with ridicule and contempt. Judging by the overwhelmingly negative response to the article on Twitter, many are not yet ready to absolve those who for years championed and partook in oppressive and discriminatory pandemic laws and social conventions. Laws and conventions that had family members die alone, persons wary about experimental vaccines lose their jobs, children isolated and academically stunted and Americans segregated. No consequences, thanks. In the article published Monday, Oster noted that she and her family had taken misguided precautions, such as wearing bandanas as masks that wouldn't have done anything anyway on empty hiking trails. While largely ignoring the more severe measures taken and rules enforced in the name of public safety, Oster referenced the arbitrary closure of beaches and the unjustifiable closure of schools as two examples of getting it wrong. We didn't know, Oster wrote, indicating that ignorance justified the rest. Oster Oster argued that in the face of so much uncertainty, getting something wrong wasn't a moral failing. Meanwhile, she contended that some of the right people were right for the wrong reasons. Oster is keen not to treat pandemic choices as a scorecard on which some people racked up more points than others. She wants to move forward. Discussions about how some people were immediately ready to dehumanise their neighbours or castigate fellow citizens for exhibiting wariness about untested medications tend to be heated, unpleasant and ultimately unproductive. So why, suggested Oster, have them? Oster's solution? Put these fights aside and declare a pandemic amnesty. We need to learn from our mistakes and then let them go. We need to forgive the attacks too, Oster declared, suggesting that expecting accountability for the complicated choices some people made could lead to a repetitive doom loop. No, we insist. Oster got ratioed when she linked to her article on Twitter. The post received 2,300 likes and over 32,300 replies. Many of the replies indicated that justice must be given priority over forgiveness. Oster had recommended forgiving but not forgetting. Fox News meteorologist Janice Dean indicated that she would do neither, writing, Many of us won't ever forgive or forget, especially when it comes to the seniors who died in nursing homes after leaders flooded their residences with COVID patients and never told us or protected them. They knew better. We deserve justice first. The rapper Nzubi Olisebuka Yudizu Zubi wrote, People want justice and accountability. Nobody has properly acknowledged nor apologised for the immense pain, grief and harm they caused to others. People who never wronged them at all, including you. We have receipts. Libs of TikTok replied to Oster, I'll never forget what the Democrats did, how they destroyed thousands of lives by forcing school and business closures. People died alone in hospitals while nurses danced because they didn't allow visitors. Thousands lost their jobs for refusing a vax. List goes on and on. Ukrainian-American podcaster Michael Malice noted that it is hard to forgive when those in apparent need of forgiveness have never apologised. Turning Point USA contributor Laura Chen highlighted how the pandemic amnesty advocate had previously recommended the unvaccinated be shamed and segregated. Uh, Lauren Chen's tweet says forgiveness usually comes after an apology. I see no apology in this piece. Remember how you encourage family members to pressure each other and the unvaxxed to be fired? Perhaps a, a little I'm sorry for that will be a good place to start. Others call the proposed amnesty into question, suggesting, in many cases, with the aid of graphic videos depicting how people were treated for not wearing masks or being found without vaccine passports, that the offences for which Oster demands forgiveness weren't simply a matter of not knowing any better. 
and it's got uh, a tweet from Ian Miles Chong, uh, Amnesty question mark, and it shows a policeman um, choking a woman not wearing a mask. John Ha provided Oster with a reminder from Rasmussen reports that some, in quotes, mistakes may prove too great for such swift and simple amnesty. The Rasmussen report referenced by Ha indicated that as of January 13th, 2022, nearly half, 48% of Democratic voters, thought federal and state governments should be able to fine or imprison individuals who publicly publicly question the efficacy of the existing COVID-19 vaccines on social media, television, radio or in online or digital publications. The report also revealed that 59% of Democrat voters would favour a government policy requiring that citizens remain confined to their homes at all times, except for emergencies, if they refuse to get a COVID-19 vaccine. 79% of Republicans were opposed. Mary Harrington wrote in Unheard that Oster's request and similar recommendations are driven by self-interest. Those who drove COVID policy presented themselves not just as people doing their best, but as the sole bearers of rational truth and life-saving moral authority. Doubtless the laptop class would prefer that we judge COVID policy by intention, wrote Harrington. Not results, lest too close an evaluation result in their fingers being prized from the baton of public righteousness. So, yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't think that any amnesty is called for, especially as we got, well, supposedly Joe Biden tweeting out that people should get their boosters again, uh, despite the fact that so much information has come out about them being completely unsafe and ineffective. And the statistics now out showing the huge increase in excess deaths since the rollout of the vaccine. And on that note, I'd like to share with you in the few minutes I've got left um, an article on Substack. It's petersweden.substack.com. The title of his channel on there is The Freedom Corner. And his name is actually Peter Emanuelsson, and he's from Norway. And the title of the article from November 2nd is Doctors Sounding the Alarm, Mysterious Rise in Excess Deaths. Norwegian doctors are worried about the situation. Something weird is happening and it is not being covered by the mainstream media. A large number of people are dying and doctors don't know why. They do know one thing, it's not only happening in one country, it's happening in many countries at the same time. Countries all over Europe are seeing very high excess death rates this year. Meanwhile, the birth rates have also mysteriously collapsed this year as well. And many of the excess deaths are not COVID related. Norwegian doctors and hospitals are now sounding the alarm about a mysterious increase in the number of patients and they don't have COVID. We never have less than 100 patients every day. They are well-grown people with all kinds of ailments. We don't understand why, says Jorn Einar Rasmussen, leader in the Norwegian Organisation for Emergency Medicine. This is shocking. Norway has had an excess mortality this year that is more than 10% higher than normal. This isn't normal. In fact, it's so bad that demographer Anders Sonstibo at the Norwegian Statistics Bureau warns that the life expectancy might actually decrease this year, which will be a first since 1997. But it is not only in Norway. All over Europe, we are seeing shocking levels of excess mortality, with Greece having had a whopping 24.3% more deaths than normal in the month of August this year. Finland had an excess death rate of 16.3%. Germany had an excess death rate of 16.5%. This is insane. What is going on here? 
A few months ago, I wrote an article on this subject where I found that there had been a shocking 10,000 non-COVID-related excess deaths during just one week in Europe this summer compared with last year. This is really bad. And things are not looking good. In England and Wales, there is now over a thousand non-COVID-related excess deaths in just one week. What is causing this? After countless hours of research, I think I have found some answers that might shock you. There's a certain health problem that has seen a dramatic increase lately that seems to be a major factor in the excess death rate. Almost nobody in the mainstream media is talking about this, so I will. Let's take a closer look to see if we can find out what is going on. Now, at this point, um, he says you need to be a paid subscriber to access the rest of the uh, article. But he does offer a seven day free trial. Uh, and I may decide to add him to my paid subscriptions on Substack. Um, so even if you want to read the whole article yourself, you can still do it on a free trial basis. That was Keisha having a shake. <laughs> Sorry about that. We are seeing insane numbers of excess deaths all over Europe. What is causing this? Well, I might have found some information on that. Massive increase in heart attacks. A new peer-reviewed study by Cedars-Sinai shows that there has been an unprecedented increase in fatal heart attacks in the US during the pandemic years, with young age groups being the worst affected. Between 1st of April 2020 and 31st of March 2021, in the first year of the pandemic, there was a 14% increase in heart attack deaths compared with the year before. However, in the second year of the pandemic, there was a shocking 29.9% increase in fatal heart attacks among young adults aged 25 to 44. So we know that heart attacks have risen significantly, but why? And why is there such a big increase among young people, an age group in which heart attacks are not very common? Well, according to Cedars-Sinai, there are several explanations. One is that it has something to do with the COVID disease itself. COVID appears to, in some cases, cause heart and cardiovascular problems, something a leading cardiologist in Norway also told me to be the case. If COVID came from a lab, it would make sense that it could cause some unexpected and weird problems that aren't normal for other diseases like the flu, especially if it is a man-made creation. That doesn't mean we should all go around and be afraid like the media told us to. Quite the contrary, we need to return to normal life and we must never forget the tyranny that has taken place. In unrelated news, I can reveal that I recently have had some problems with heart palpitations. This had me a bit worried, so I booked an appointment with one of the absolute leading cardiologists in Norway. I won't reveal his name, but I can tell you that he is one of the best in the country. One of the first things he asked me at the appointment was if I had taken the you-know-what, as he told me that both it and COVID could cause these issues. Keep in mind, this is one of the best heart doctors in Norway that told me this. This is not something that I am saying. With regards to my heart palpitations, thankfully, they were diagnosed as benign and not anything to worry about. And then he shares some statistics on excess mortality in England. What we are seeing is that there was there were... <laughs> 1,608 excess deaths in just one week. This is 15.9% higher than normal. Only 4.8% of all deaths involved COVID, 565 people. Keep in mind that they say that of, the, of these, 66.2% had COVID as the underlying cause of death. So almost 34% of the deaths involving COVID appear to not actually have COVID as the main cause of death. And then he goes on to describe the increase in in um, heart arrhythmia issues and concluding, we are seeing such high levels of excess deaths that doctors are now sounding the alarm. The birth rates have mysteriously collapsed at the same time all over the world. 
A major factor in the mysterious rise in excess deaths is related to heart problems. This is worrying and more investigations need to be made to find out exactly what is going on here. But somehow I doubt very much that will happen because reasons. This is a tragedy of major proportions and it is being ignored. And obviously this is related to blood clots and so on, which we know is something caused by the vaccine. But also another doctor was saying that most of the injuries are neurological. And of course, the whole body relies on a healthy nervous system. So no surprise that so many different organs are going to be affected as well. Well, that's all I have time for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show, that you'll join me next Saturday for another Cosmic Creating show. I'm certainly hoping I could do it Saturday, but I'm moving down to Arizona this coming week. So thank you to Nancy for producing and also to Derek Condit for sponsoring Cosmic Reality Radio. Oh, until next time, stay well, be safe and bye for now. You have been listening to Cosmic Creating with Jan Shaw, updating current reality, a production of CosmicReality.com.